in a little bit. And so that's why I feel like his profile matches the kind of thing that it sounds like the Titans defense wants to identify with, the kind of thing that Denar Wilson is looking for in these players. Welcome in to the Hot Read Podcast, live from Indianapolis at the NFL Combine. This is the episode for Thursday, February 29th. I am your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. Joined, as always, by producer JT. You can follow on social media at JT underscore Runky. JT, how are you? I'm good. It was another successful day here at the Combine, filled with stale coffee, St. Elmo shrimp and heated debates about uh, fantasy apps, whether it be ESPN <laughs> or Sleeper. Sleeper, but right. Not what I expected it to be, but still excited to be here. Everyone knows that February, late February, uh, le- leap day actually, isn't it today? Yeah, February? today is a leap day. You lose track of time when you come here, obviously. But yeah, it's leap day. Uh, it's the perfect time to be discussing fantasy applications. Um, we uh, We had a very successful day today talking to a number of players that we've, you know, we finally got into the portion of the proceedings here where we've got some guys that may very well be future Titans in this draft class. We spoke to the safeties, the tight ends, and the cornerbacks this morning at the podiums. A lot of cornerbacks that we um, spoke with, we're going to dive into some thoughts on them, what they had to say today on the show to start because the Titans could really use some help in the secondary and they are depending on what they do in free agency going to be very squarely in the market for cornerback both early in the draft perhaps even earlier than anybody expects as well as some of those later day three picks they can uh, be adding to this group for the titans new defensive coordinator denard wilson to improve and rebrand what the titan secondary the past couple of years frankly has been come to known for has has grown to be known for which is not a a positive reputation we also just got back from Lucas Oil Stadium, um, and we were watching the athletic testing, the first athletic testing, the first full-blown underwear Olympics portion of the underwear Olympics with the defensive tackles and edge players and uh, linebackers. And so we've got some thoughts on some of these athletic freaks. We've got some numbers pouring in. We'll get into that at the back half of today's show. Some guys that really impressed with their measurables, really impressed with their uh, with their testing numbers, all of that good stuff. Again, it's it's a good year to be at the Combine to cover the Titans for bad Titans reasons, that being they need players at every position. And so I can't really say any position we speak about besides quarterback is one they are 100% out of the running for in this draft class. They really could take anybody. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think everyone... Um, except like this, this group today, I feel like linebacker, I think for sure. Um, however, the, uh, defensive lineman is, is really the one where you could probably see them not walk away here. And I think also just, totally. uh, from a testing sort of standpoint, I know we watched the forties of the defensive in interior defensive linemen today, just like um, being the most boring at the podium. They're also the most boring for the testing because uh, like every other position because, has something like they aren't throwing, they aren't catching. They aren't playing defensive and back and everything you really need to see you, you see on tape, right? right? Exactly. It, 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 the only reason we were really over there today was to see Tavondre sweat, <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. which was fun to see. Sure. But, Big fellow was moving. Nonetheless, I think we'll be 
at the testing tomorrow for a lot longer because there'll be a lot more things to do and see and talk about with that, at least from that portion of it. Absolutely. We'll dive into all of that in just a second, just a couple of housekeeping things. If you're with us live today, we appreciate you being here. Thanks for watching online and we need a quick favor from you. If you are watching on Facebook or Twitter, head on over to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. That's Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. Find this live stream there. And in the chat portion of that live stream is where you can be a part of today's conversation. Like Derek and DJ and Kenneth, already are thank you gentlemen for being here and while you're at it share the show however you can hit subscribe to broadway sports media it's right there underneath the video if you're watching on youtube it's very helpful for us it's free to you um so so help us in that way and also if you're uh, with us on twitter on facebook hit retweet hit like send the link to a friend we want to get as many live eyeballs on today's product as possible also got to shout out the rest of the 440 network guys this this entire network that we are a part of does phenomenal i would wager the best digital video and audio coverage of the Titans. You got the Paul Kaharski show. Paul, we're going to dinner with later tonight. So we are here in Indy with Paul. I know that he had a couple of big names on, on his show, his podcast earlier today. So listen to his podcast for some great coverage here from the combine. Our buddies, Braden and Zach um, already did their show earlier today on a football show. You want to listen to that. They give you some tips on how to watch the combine and, and be a better fan. All of those good things. So really great, diverse content. Check it all out. Um, the four Forty podcast network. Um, Okay, let's let's dive into one quick thing that is not combine related. We didn't touch on it yesterday on, on the show. I meant to. I had it written down and then I didn't. Uh, Kenneth brings it up in the comments here. He says, it's still weird that Rand Carthon and Brian Callahan were pulled back to Nashville from the combine early for the Titans groundbreaking ceremony today, which uh, took place a couple of hours ago at Nissan Stadium in the parking lot where they're going to build on the, I guess the East side parking lot uh, where they're going to build the new stadium right there next to the existing Nissan stadium. They, they threw dirt ceremoniously onto the ground and everybody clapped and people were wearing hard hats because it's a construction site uh, or just a big parking lot with a tent on it right now. But yes, it was strange that they were pulled away. Really stupid planning on whoever's part. It was that did the, planning of that i'm sure logistically there was some reason we have to do it now because the construction company was contracted to do this then what i don't care bad timing right like is it super duper important that those guys are here uh i wouldn't say that because there's a lot of really good coaches that aren't here at all every single year sean mcveigh kyle shanahan those fellas just they do everything from home everything digitally um and so that's what the titans staff is doing in the back half of this year's combine in terms of uh, uh, meetings. They're doing all Zoom meetings with the the offensive linemen today, I believe, was what they had to do because they are not here. Now, when I say they, that's Rand Carthen and Brian Callahan. I'm sure they have still, I know they still have scouts and personnel here in Indy to conduct partially the interview in person, partially they get the big wigs on the Zoom. So like it's it's 2024. We can do these things over the internet. It's really not that big a deal. But is it dumb and and a bad look? You you betcha it is. It's it's not. That's that was silly, and I'm sure that they were really displeased when they realized uh, two weeks ago, and they're like, "Wait a second, we have to come back for this stupid groundbreaking <laughs> on the day we're supposed to interview the most important position group that we may have in this entire draft class." Yeah, that wasn't great. Yeah, I you know, like you said, how important is it? For them to be here, not really. Putting shovels uh, in dirt was more important, as yeah, Derek says. I guess Very so. important. Uh, that's just kind of the state of how these interviews go because um, you, really the only thing you're missing is personal interaction and mannerisms, which I get in some situations it is 
for like a job interview probably means more than, and then this is kind of a job interview. If but Mark Vrabel so, is still around, he'd want to get his hands on him. Yeah, but right? there's so much more that that yes. they can look at. So I don't really think it's that big of a deal. Still pretty silly. Yeah, very silly. Um, okay, let's dive into some of these guys we spoke to today, JT. And um, we can kind of, we can start with the position group we we kind of have no notes on, and that's the safeties. The safeties went first today at the podium, and I was uninspired. You know, it just there. It's a bad. It's not a good class. It's yes. it's it's a class that is. Uh, it's going to be a lot of depth guys. There's not guys that are going to come in and be immediate impact players on teams. There's no um, Brian Branch or no uh, someone like a Jordan Battle this no. year. There's, no, no, no. There's not many that are that close to where they were. No, no Kyle Hamilton's in this class. Um, there, there's going to be a lot of guys that go mid to late day two and a bunch of guys that go in day three. And so, you know, we listened to them. We spoke with them a little bit, but not really any. I'm not, not going to waste your time talking about them. The Titans do have a need at safety, um, but that's something that they can address in free agency. It's one of the better free agency positions, in my opinion. Um, you know, it's all slim pickings a little bit, but th- there's some there's some meat on that bone. And in this draft class, they're not going to go find a guy in this class that really is going to make a day one impact in that way. The tight end position, the guy that garnered the most attention for obvious reasons, the man of the hour was Brock Bowers. The uh, You can see on my social media account, I posted a picture of um, the, the scene, the media gaggle around his podium in anticipation. I think you posted up in good position like 15 minutes before he came out, had to stand around and wait. Yeah, because can uh, safety from Miami Cameron Kinchins was first, and then I already knew that Brock was going to go next, so I said I'll just stay here. And, and uh, very quickly, I realized as uh, I was just sitting there on my phone, putting out the rest of the content that I had gotten from him and some others, I started to realize that people were piling in behind me, and I was kind of stuck at the you, front. There was nowhere a bad to problem. leave. It's not a bad problem to no. have, uh, but I could not leave. Yes, and so you you heard from him today. Um, he, he was asked about his comment at the Super Bowl about, um, he was on pro football talk with Mike Florio and Chris Sims. He said that the team he'd like to go play for is Tennessee Titans. We addressed that on the show. I, we thought he was just answering because he liked the, like the area and wouldn't mind playing for a team in a place he likes to live today. That was essentially what he said is that Nashville sounds like a cool place to live. Now for the record, let me be clear. That is the opposite of true. Nashville is not a cool place to live and nobody else should move there. But according to him, it is a cool place to live. And that was the reason that he gave. Yeah. And I think also when you think about it as well, he was asking another question about tight end university, which is something that takes place here in, well, not here, but in, in Nashville, Nashville, back home. Um, and he was asked about that and would say he he had never been, but um, would be ecstatic to to be able to join. He'll be a, he'll be like a year that. one rookie. He'll be, he'll be a freshman at tight end. You he will. Uh, but of course that also comes with Nashville. So it does bring up an interesting case because he did say also confirming that, um, that Brock Bowers did formally meet with the Titans today, which is an right. interesting one because y- you never know, right? There's always that, the, that little thought in the back of your mind. Well, I told you on Tuesday when we spoke to Rand Carthon and Brian Callahan, you know, they kept hinting at, we want a playmaker. We want an offensive ball carrier, a guy that is going to score touchdowns. And I, I told you off the record, like, would it not be hilarious if this was all not actually a smokescreen, but just a misinterpretation by fans where they read that as receiver, receiver, receiver. They were talking about Brock Bowers the whole time. Yep. Not impossible. I don't think that it is likely. I would be very surprised if they made that selection, but he is a guy that's right in that range. You know, he's going to go somewhere between 
five and fifteen, you would imagine. And so I, I would I would chalk this up them making an official um, meeting with him mostly just like a basis covering maneuver. You know, all those guys, we're going to meet with all the guys in our range and, and speak to them and make sure we are we are confident in that. You only get, I believe you only get 40 official um, meetings with guys throughout the combine process. And so they used one of those guys or one of those uh, meetings on Brock Bowers. Yeah, and D good uh, post in the comments here on a roster with such a void of playmaking talent, adding Bowers isn't the worst thing in the world. And no. I would agree with you, but as we've talked about, um, that just from the value standpoint, in a vacuum, from a having him practice, on the roster, he would be a day one impact yes. and he would be a positive, um, development for the Titans, both in a, you know, in a playmaker way and in a blocking way. Um, but that, you know, it, we've had this whole conversation. You can go back and check it out. You're right. You're right. That it is, uh, not, how do I say this? It, it would be good for the roster in 2024 yes when you consider all the other things it's not the best decision in the world yeah in just my from opinion a value in my opinion. business perspective right. because of the contract and how his position uh is increasingly a premium if you are a positionless tight end that uh kind of fits the mold that brock bowers is but still not a position you want to be paying top 10 pick money to i feel like right exactly um anything else from me i saw that he was asked um, about his ankle injury and what he was telling to different teams. And, and he shared what his answer was to the teams in the interviews. Yeah. So it, it, this is pretty important to note that um, he was one of the first questions he asked was if he was going to test uh, to tomorrow with uh, the rest of the tight ends. And he said he did not know and not because of oh, an injury. Really? Yeah. He did not say if he was or wasn't. And it was, um, he cited a personal decision as the reason why. And when they asked, is it injury that. related? Okay. Is it injury related? Is it not? He said, no, nah, it just depends how I feel. So that's an interesting one that we'll keep hmm. tabs on. But um, he, 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 I mean, of all the guys that really don't need to test, he's up there like yeah. him and Marv and Caleb. They don't, he doesn't need to test, man. I, I hope he does for my own personal selfish gain. But if I was his agent or his family member, I would tell him, don't do it, man. Yeah. Don't do it. Um, I'll, I'm going to go ahead and plant my flag. I'm going to say he doesn't test. I, I, I would be surprised if he does. If he does, big green flag, even more reason that I love the guy. Uh, but I would I would have no problem with and kind of expect him not to personally. Yeah, but to the point you were talking about, teams have been asking about his ankle injury in combine meetings, um, but he has told them that it's 100% and that there isn't any concern there. But it did. it is a little uh, tricky when he also says that he doesn't give a straight answer as to why he's unsure if he's going to test tomorrow. Right. Exactly. Um, there are other tight ends in this class, not named Brock Bowers. This is true. And while you were talking to Brock and stuck in the middle of the gaggle, I spoke with some of the other guys that were getting a bit neglected because of the attention that Brock was getting. One guy that I spoke to is a guy that we talked about a couple of weeks ago because he was at the senior bowl, Ben Sinnott out of Kansas state. He is somebody that I believe I'm trying to get this to load uh, on the consensus board. Let's see. Am I at the right place? Where are you, Ben Senate? Help me find that real quick. Yeah. Um, but he he is a guy. Oh, here he is. Here he is. 124 overall. Okay. So an early day three guy um, projected to be. Uh, he spoke about his versatility being what he felt was his differentiator in this draft class. Right, we were talking to our buddy James Foster, who's also here at his uh, film room. And, and his comp for him is Tommy Tremble complimentary. Like a good, a, like trying to be positive and like what Tommy Tremble 
could have been or can be, right? Um, a, you know, a guy that can be a an effective inline blocker as well as operate in the slot and have some receiving upside. And so he's somebody that uh, I, I like a lot and, and he is is uh, aware of and proud of that ability. Um, I spoke to a couple of other guys. I'm trying to pull up my list here. Uh, 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 tight end Jaheim Bell out of FSU was a part of that really, really potent offense before they had uh, Jordan Travis go down late in the season with that season-ending injury. I spoke to him. He's also a late day, or excuse me, an early day three projection. Um, and and he was asked by our buddy Theron Davenport about uh, competing for touches in an offense with so many mouths to feed him and Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson, um, all these dynamic playmakers on the outside. And, and he praised his head coach, Mike Norvell, saying that he's not sure how Norvell orchestrated such a good offense and kept so many dynamic players happy. Um, so those were just a couple of guys on the on the tight end front. Won't spend too much time on that because the Titans um, have some young tight end talent. They're, they probably won't be in the tight end market in the draft. You never say never, but I would assume they look elsewhere. And a good place you could assume they may look is at cornerback. So let's go ahead and, and talk about some of these guys. We spoke to a lot of these guys today, mostly guys that may be there in that fourth, fifth round for the Titan eight for the Titans in early day four day four round four day three uh pick and you had a trio of them that you're writing an article uh right now for broadway sports media about but maybe we can start with those three guys the first of which cam hart out of utah cam hart notre dame notre dame okay who am i thinking out of utah um cole bishop maybe yeah cole bishop probably yeah yeah, 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 yes because he was talking about how um he he keeps in touch with last year's um Last year's Utah secondary favorite, whose name is all, um, oh, it's killing me. I'll find it. You go ahead. Yeah, but Cam Hart <laughs> it. it's a guy that was on a bunch of our radars today, um, just because he's there is that range of, of four or five guys where picking a, a cornerback there at, at the Titans pick, whether it be 106 to 109 or so, um, that is where Clark Phillips the third. That's yes. what I'm thinking of, uh, anyways. Between that range there at 106 right. or 109, mm -hmm. there's going to be three or four corners currently projected there. Um, and Kim Hart is one of them. Of course, he was at the Senior Bowl, uh, didn't have as big of a standout day as some of the other guys at the Senior Bowl, but still played pretty well. But the biggest thing I think that we asked him about today, um, he, he was and is still good friends and was a former teammate of uh, absolute stud in the league, Kyle Hamilton. And right. uh, in his... Uh, interview today he was talking about how he still keeps in touch with him um they talk almost every day and that's been a big influence on his process here in the draft and kind of uh, elevating his game so um of course Kyle Hamilton is one of the best in the league so bringing in a guy like that who is he is pretty physical but the, you're not think, getting Kyle Hamilton you're right, not getting yeah, Kyle exactly. Hamilton but you're you're getting a physical guy who I think we were talking about is not the greatest weight in the world. I, I believe a little undersized. He's a little right. undersized, but when you're getting that guy that kind of uh, learns and takes some things from Kyle Hamilton's game, uh, I think it's worth maybe the the roll of the dice. Yeah, um, I'm trying to pull up Cam Hart's measurements here. Let's see, he is coming in at six two two oh seven as listed on PFF. Um, so I am totally mistaking him. He is not underweight at all. Um, who am I thinking? Oh, 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 I'm thinking of, uh, Lassiter, who I'm about to talk about in just like a Kamari Lassiter out of Georgia. So Cam Hart, decent size and the physicality to boot and had a, a pretty 
significant breakout season in 2023. It looks like based on um, just his raw stats. So he's a guy that we've got an eye on. Another guy that we've had an eye on since the senior bowl is Max Melton out of Rutgers. And uh, you spoke to him today after we watched him play pretty well down there in Mobile. He, he caught our eye a good bit. Um, he's certainly somebody that if you've been following the Titans draft process so far, you've seen him mocked to the Titans a couple of times already because he is probably going to, right now he's he's projected to be available right in that sweet spot for the Titans early day three. What did you hear from him at the podium? Yeah, I think for the second day in a row, I'm going to plant my flag and say this is officially one of my guys. All right, in, so we've got two of those so far. Um, dude has just a lot of charisma. Uh, charisma, charismatic energy. Riz, um, as the kids call it, right? That, that is yep. one. Mm -hmm. um, and and with him, I think it's important to know that he really does have a unique background um, in his game. He is the brother of Green Bay Packers wide receiver, Bo Melton, mm -hmm. um, and was a former wide receiver as well. Uh, he said that he had played wide receiver all the way up until his junior year of high school and then oh. made the change uh, in his senior year and, and then continue to means, play. That means he can't catch by the way. That's, that's <laughs> what happens when um, that's why that happens. Yeah. But yes, he then went on to Rutgers and, and played there alongside his brother as well for a couple of years. And he just talked about how one of the biggest things in his game, because uh, he has that ability um, and has that history of playing wide receiver, that his route recognition is one of the best things about his game. And with that, uh, route recognition, we saw that translate well at the Senior Bowl. He was sticking to guys like glue, um, and that's kind of the best part of his game. Uh, currently, we'll get the official me measurements, six foot 190, so you'd like him to be a little bit uh, maybe heavier, a little yeah, bit he, better. Yeah, he is an undersized side. player, yes. Um, and he also talked about how um, he plays most on the outside, but maybe at six foot and a little undersized, his, his idea about maybe moving into the slot or, or the um, nickel or playing something like that. Mm -hmm. And his response um, to that simply was that he would welcome it with open arms. Maybe as some corners would not want to do that. Max Melton said it's one of his favorite positions to play because it's so much fun. There's so much to do. You actually do more in there than you did on the outside. So mm -hmm. he's a guy who just loves the game um, and he has really good tape. I really liked what I saw from him at the uh, senior bowl. But yeah, the big thing is that he's not one of those super athletic guys. Right. Um, he's better in zone. I think at the next level, that's what would mostly translate well in my personal opinion, after watching him a lot, um, moving him maybe to that inside spot, which the Titans, of course, they have a couple of guys already on the roster who mm -hmm. can do that. But especially in the fourth round, you need to start building the depth and developing this, this, uh, room again so i think he would be a really good guy to spot right and in the comments stony with the sobros network one of our favorite tape grinders says go and watch max melton against ohio state it is a chef's kiss performance so there's your recommendation if you want to see this guy go to work i've got two guys i want to mention before we move on to some testing numbers um chris abrams drain out of missouri is somebody i spoke to today he was a cornerback that uh, I believe was also at the Senior Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he caught our eye there, and, and speaking to him, he he's a guy that seems like he really loves ball, um, seems really uh, mature. Uh, he, he's somebody that right now is being mocked in the third round, and so maybe not somebody that the Titans are right in range for, but I wouldn't be shocked if he slipped for the simple reason that he is a very undersized player. Um, he comes in at 5'11", 178. 
So not the biggest guy out there, but we saw this at the senior bowl and he spoke to it today, how he really compensates, makes up for um, that, that lack of size with, you know, really just sound technique is what he kept harping on his sound technique, relying on it, not pressing, trusting the technique to do the work is what allows him to hang with bigger, faster, uh, stronger players. And we saw that at the senior bowl a good bit. Uh, he was asked about his comfortability playing inside and out. He said he has a lot of comfortability and experience doing both of those things because he has been playing them both, um, played them both pretty interchangeably this past season. So he's somebody that caught my eye. The other one is, I would say, the best cornerback in this class you probably haven't heard about yet, and that's Kamari Lasseter out of Georgia. Now, if you watch college football, you probably know who Kamari Lasseter is. He was a pretty good player on a pretty good team. But... um he's somebody you haven't really heard a ton about in the draft process. At least I have not. And I keep a pretty good ear to the draft process. Uh, he is projected right now to be a, an early day two guy. I believe on the consensus board. Yeah, he's at 37. So one pick above where the Titans are picking at 38 right there in that range. Somebody that is talented enough to sneak into the first, if the right team with the right fit is really high on him, but somebody you could absolutely see available for the Titans at 38. And he would be a very strong candidate for that. Um, he's only 180 pounds. So he is also not the biggest guy in the world, but you really would not know it. If you watch this guy's tape, I went, I spoke to him today at the podium and then went back to the media workroom and spoke to some people that I trust who have already grinded a bunch of his tape, watched some of my own man. He's aggressive. He's got that. Um, he's got kind of, kind of that, uh, uh, help me out the, the Seattle player from last year, the, um, Devon Witherspoon. Devon Witherspoon. He's got that Devon Witherspoon element of, playing like he th it's it's like a big dog uh being barked at aggressively by a little dog where it's like the little dog thinks that they are twice their size that's kind of how Lassiter plays his physicality it looks like the guy thinks he has 40 more pounds on his frame than he does he flies around like crazy very very physical uh in the flat he's got a really really aggressive and effective um, effective uh, jam at the line of scrimmage. Um, his, his aggressiveness in man coverage in particular is aggressive to a fault at some time. Something that a, a coach like Denard Wilson, I think, would really appreciate and be able to rein in a little bit. And so that's why I feel like his profile matches the kind of thing that it sounds like the Titans defense wants to identify with, the kind of thing that Denard Wilson is looking for in these players. And I'm not saying that they're going to go corner at two. I'm not even saying they they would consider it. But like we've said before, this team is bad enough roster. They are empty enough roster-wise right now with how much turnover they've had um, that they really could justify BPA at any position, just going with the best guy available. And if he is there at 38, I don't think it's crazy uh, to, to, to imagine a scenario in which he's the best player there and he fits what they want and they take Kamari Lasseter at 38. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think that's one where it will make some people mad that – the Titans very mad. Uh, yes. Would yep. not go yep. tackle yep. Yep. and then wide receiver with the first two picks. But I mean, I think is cornerback, not the third most important need in your mind for this team. I think so. Second, just secondary in general. Like, yes, it's the number one need on defense for sure. And I, it's, it's the, I'd say the third most impactful thing for them last year. They lost a lot of games because they couldn't stop a nosebleed mm -hmm. in the secondary. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I think the question truly to ask is that if you're bringing him in in the second round there can he be that bona fide one for you right which i don't really think that, i mean out the of titans, the gate i 
doubt it. Yes. Um, I, or I, I doubt that you would want that ideally. Now, in we, the Titans case, they may just, you know, you just trial by fire, throw him out there. But sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. And we, I mean, yeah, you can kind of look if they were to get him, it'd be him, uh, Roger McCreary. Yep. And, um, oh, Amani Hooker. Amani Hooker. Um, amongst those guys, who is the alpha back there? Mm-hmm. Even with uh, bringing Lassiter in, I don't know if it moves the needle, but it sure as hell makes their well. It moves. The, it moves the needle, but is it is it enough? Like I don't. I don't think you can rest on that. And I don't think there's any unless you go get Jalen Johnson somehow in in, in uh, free agency. I don't think there is one guy you bring in and you're like, we're good. You know, they they need they need bodies. Um, we were talking. I was talking to uh, our buddy Kaharski today about. You know, just and Sam Phelan, you know, wh- what do we think about the Titans bringing back Sean Murphy Bunting as one of those guys? He, you know, he's he, it's kind of the same way where you don't mind it if it's the right market price, because I get the impression his market value is going to be dirt cheap a little bit. But he's a good guy. He's also kind of physical to a fault in that way. His profile doesn't match it. The way he plays doesn't match entirely with the way that Nerd Wilson has outlined what the Titans want. But it wouldn't shock me if they decided to keep a familiar face like him around but you wouldn't want him being anything more than like your top rotational guy, right? You, you need some guys in there. And so that's why I think, you know, bringing back a, or bringing in a Kamari Lassiter, bringing back a Sean Murphy Bunting, going and getting another mid-level cornerback in free agency for, for a, a, a frugal price. Like that's the kind of thing I wouldn't be shocked to see be their approach to fixing this cornerback room this offseason. Yeah, I agree. One more name that I just want to throw out there that I also talked to today. I okay. uh, was also a senior bowl standout, uh, Drew Phillips, Andrew Phillips from uh, University of Kentucky. Yep. I thought he had some really interesting things to, t- to say today uh, at his um, press conference availability. He was a guy who said that he has the experience to play safety as well as corner. Um, and has some of that versatility that the Titans have wanted in the past. I think with with the scouts and what what they have looked at through the past couple of drafts, versatility I think is one of the biggest things that they've always cited. Um, he's a guy who I could see also uh, be there around the fourth or fifth round with those two picks for the Titans that they could take a chance on, and then wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a safety or being a cornerback. But he was a guy who I really liked at the Senior Bowl, um, had some good answers today about some of the questions that we asked him so he's another guy i'm keeping my eye on yeah um do we want to move on to the testing sure okay so that's it for the cornerbacks from this group again a really a really good group we're going to continue to talk about at length um tomorrow just to, to preview the podium situation it is madness we've got the quarterbacks the wide receivers and the running backs all going so look out for a ton of content from us and from everybody here at the combine it's going to be a madhouse it's going to be a great time looking forward to that um, but today we had the defensive linemen and the edge defenders and the linebackers do their testing. By the way, if you're with us live, we appreciate you being here. Thanks for seeing a number of you guys pour in. Help us out by sharing the show. Subscribe to Broadway Sports Media and make sure you're watching on YouTube, Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. Find this live stream. Join the conversation in the comments on that live stream video. Uh, can we start with Tavondre Sweat? Because yeah. he was the biggest name coming into today. Uh, he really hyped himself up yesterday at his media availability, saying that everybody was going to be shocked by his numbers. He may have overplayed his hand a little bit because he had good numbers for his very, very good numbers um, for his size. Phenomenal numbers. But compared to the other guys, not the fastest, not the not the uh, most athletic. The reason being, he's 366 pounds, three, six, six. Our buddy James Foster has a database of he said like 14,000 players from the past however many drafts. 
that's a, a lot of drafts. Maybe all of them. I don't know. Um, 14,000 is a lot of players. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and he said he was the heaviest defensive tackle in that database. I think he said he was the heaviest player. No, no, no. I checked him on that. I checked okay. him on that because we had a couple, like, uh, we had a couple guys that the Minnesota tackle, um, Falele was 385 a couple years ago. So we've, we've had some bigger fellas. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was the heaviest defensive tackle in that database. 366. He was listed at 365. And in my head, I was like, well, okay, he's probably actually going to weigh in at like 355, 350. No, all, all of the 365 and with a little bit uh, to boot there. So this guy is huge. And for his size, running a 527, I believe, yeah. 527 40 yard dash unofficial is crazy. That is faster than Tom Brady ran when he came out. Um, it is two one hundredths of a second slower than our buddy Sam Phelan, who I have to out. He, uh, you know, he, he, uh, I, not auditioned, uh, tried out for the Nashville cats arena league team, uh, last weekend, I think. And he ran a, a five. I gave him, I gave him some crap when we saw that time. Cause I said, I bet you were slower than this. He's not, he was faster. He ran a five two five. Uh, he, I'm guessing Sam is a full 150 plus pounds lighter than our, our, but I actually, I know he's, de- he's definitely like 170 pounds lighter than this fella. So just to put that into context, if you're watching this right now, live or in post, I'm going to go down a limb and say he's faster than you are just probably, unless you are like a, you know, young man in the prime of their life and you're an athlete he's faster than you are, which is, is a bonkers thing to think. And it was bonkers to see in person. Yeah, it was, it was really interesting. I think one of the other numbers I think that we need to talk about Braden Fisk out of FSU. Opposite end of the spectrum, right? Yes. Opposite end, but man, he, for, for a defensive uh, tackle being able. um, I have his numbers right here, by the way, we want to preface this. So Braden Fisk out of FSU um, is a D tackle at a pretty small size comparatively, right? Just uh, just over six, three and a half inches tall, 292 pounds, so not a 300 pounder. Uh, those are 61st and 16th percentile. But 40 yard dash, 478 unofficial, 97th percentile. Vertical, 33 and a half inches, 91st percentile. Broad jump, an inch shy, or excuse me, three inches shy of 10 feet, 96th percentile. High 90s uh, for all of his athletic testing numbers. Freaky, freaky athlete. Listed uh, amongst all combined defensive tackles since 2013. He had the fifth best 40-yard dash, the eighth best broad jump. This guy's a freak. Um, and I saw him. Let's see. Where was this comp? Oh, I lost it, so never mind. But um, he's he's a player that is going to be um, considered a freaky athlete that is going to play inside and probably have some real outside versatility. I'd imagine with that athleticism. Yeah, I definitely think so for sure as well. Um, let's also talk maybe some RAS scores as well. That okay. We saw you got today. some of those up today. Uh, my guy, Darius Robinson that we talked about yesterday Missouri, coming in with a defensive RAS lineman. score of nine, six, four. We're definitely going to see the crazy athlete um, later today. And as we keep going, he ran a four, nine, five, uh, 40 yard dash. So another guy who, like we said that those traits are there and the explosiveness of, of his game um, where he is running a four nine five uh, weighing in at two eighty five, which could still be considered a little undersized. Mm-hmm. Um, but being able to run like that, man, like that is a guy where I think we, as we go down this path here, it's very interesting to see if he starts to get some of that Tyree Wilson, uh, Trayvon Walker, 
esque hype that is this guy's got the traits and we should maybe draft him a five or six picks higher than, than we want to. We want right, to 100%. Because of them. 100%. And Braden Fisk is one of those guys that I think is probably going to enter that kind of conversation as well. Currently on the consensus board, 68 overall. I think that he is going to be a mid to high second round pick when all things are said and done. That just seems to be the way that he is trending. Um, a couple of comps that I found interesting today from Daniel Jeremiah. Shop Robinson measured in today, uh, six two and seven eighths inches tall, two hundred and fifty four pounds. Um, so an edge defender, relatively light, but he's going to be playing outside, not inside. Thirty one and a half inch arms, not the longest arms in the world. Crazy athletic, but physical traits lacking in that length just a little bit. An interesting comp for him to an NFL player. Very similar physical build. Yannick Ngakwe. 6'2", 252, 32 and a half inch arms. Very, very, very similar profile. And Gakwe ran a 475 40 for the record. Um, and Robinson uh, is going to run much faster than that, according to uh, according to Daniel Jeremiah. So same body type, physically more athletic than Yannick Ngakwe. Pretty decent uh, comparison in that way. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. Um, yeah, I mean... Stoney in the, in the comments says here, in my personal opinion, Darius Robinson is not worth being selected anywhere uh, from one to 37. <laughs> that, that is that maybe is at 38 for the Titans, maybe right? No, 38 yeah. could be a good spot for him. Sure, but yeah, sure. no, he was a guy that I think continued and really interesting to see today. Um, as we were talking about, maybe we see both Texas guys go in the first round. I Byron, think that we do. I Byron think that Murphy we do. tested very well today, uh, scoring a nine Oh eight. Uh, RAS. However, Tavondre Sweat, uh, he scored a 3.9 RAS. And this is where RAS is. I, I don't want to say flawed. It's not flawed. It's where it requires context, right? Because yes. RAS is relative athletic score, meaning how athletic you are relative to your peers. It includes three main categories your size, your explosiveness. And the speed and your speed. Thank you. I, don't, I wanted to get them right. I, I thought that I thought that's what it was. Um, so size, explosiveness, and speed. Obviously, in the size category, he's got it down. He's the biggest. He's elite. He's elite. He's an elite size specimen. Um, but due to that size, his athleticism on the explosive scale and on the speed scale, relative to other defensive tackles who are almost all much much less heavy than he is, are not great. So while Three nine on paper looks bad. You have to realize who you're dealing with here and what you're signing up for when you go after a guy like that. You aren't signing up for a crazy, fast, explosive, shifty guy that's going to weave in and out of the inside of the interior offensive line and get to the quarterback. You're 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 paying for a physical brick wall that's just in the way. Like that's what he's gonna do for you. That's what you're signing up for, right? Yeah. Can so, I bring up two things real quick? And I want to get your thoughts on this because I was talking to Ramon Foster today. He was here in town doing the radio show on 104.5 and, and dipped out right after I had this conversation with him. But you mentioned both the, the defensive tackles out of Texas. Two, uh, two, two topics along those lines that I find really interesting regarding the draft. One is this. I, my favorite case study maybe in the entire draft is when you have two guys from the same school at the same position. And the reason why is because comparatively, I always think the second best guy is a value relative to where they're going. 
because of the fact that you have that direct comparison to another guy at the school. And so they get the, the better guy gets a little bit overvalued. The, the worst guy gets a little bit undervalued. And you also on tape didn't get to see the, the worst guy be the one or be the alpha or go up, uh, you know, play uh, next to a guy that was worse than him. You saw them play next to a guy that was better than them. And so comparatively, I just, I think it's an optical illusion a little bit. And when you take the second guy, you're probably always getting a little bit of value. Is that crazy? No, I don't think that's crazy at all because you can look at it like that one, or we can go to a different position group and, and kind of talk about the same thing, especially for cornerback. Another there's, example. There's another example right. with the two cornerbacks out of Alabama. How about Missouri uh, as well? In, in Bo- both, right. Uh, the, that's, Terry and Arnold and Kool-Aid McKinstry yes. out of Alabama. Uh, Arnold is considered the, the one, McKinstry the two. And then Ennis Rakestraw Jr., which is a name out of the Middle Ages. I love it. Uh, Ennis Rakestraw Jr. is the one out of out of Missouri. And then uh, uh, Chris Abrams Drain out of Missouri is the, the two. Um, and there's two ways to look at that, right? right. It's a little bit different. Um, and, and I think I was talking to someone who put this really into perspective. It's like, yeah, well, uh, Terry Ann Arnold, his tape was a lot better. Um, he showed more on tape. Right is it a possibility that he showed more on tape because no one was throwing the opposite way mm-hmm. and that's something or, or, that, yeah given he was he wasn't given the opportunity to show more um because Kool, they already Kool-Aid knew McKinstry, that they I already, mean, right. for Kool-Aid McKinstry because they already knew that it just wasn't going to work and that's how uh dominant he was so i think and the very, answer may very well be no but yes, we don't know that it's, it's, it's an element of it's unknown an idea. it's the it's the family guy mystery box it could be anything it could yep. be a boat right exactly um that's the that's the one thing that i find interesting on that on that topic with those two defensive tackles out of Texas. Here's the other thing. The reason why I believe, and I, it sounds like you believe both of these guys may very well go in the first round um, is because we talk all the time on the show about positional value and how there are premium positions and non-premium positions, right? When you think premium positions, you're thinking quarterback, offensive tackle, wide receiver, cornerback, edge rusher, right? Non-premium positions, safety, middle linebacker, running back, interior offensive line. And then there's the subject of the interior defensive line, the defensive tackles. When when people throw out premium and non-premium positions, they always conveniently leave that one out because it's not super duper clear what the answer is, whether it is something that should be paid and and spent on with draft capital like it's a premium position or not. I think that we're evolving and slowly getting to the point as a football society where Defensive tackle is considered a full-blown premium position depending on the type of player you're getting. It's very clear when you have an Aaron Donald, when you have a Chris Jones, when you have a Jeffrey Simmons, they are singular game-wrecking game plan players. When I say game plan players, I mean the kind of guy that's name their name gets thrown up on the whiteboard of the opposing defense on that Monday, and they are building a plan around stopping this guy because he can single-handedly change this game. I think Denard Wilson came in and said this about Jeffrey Simmons at his introductory press conference. Like, Hey, that's a guy that can change the game by himself. That's the case with elite interior defensive tackles that are both phenomenal run defenders and have that physical uh, ability that the physical uh, uh, versatility to also rush the passer. And I, I think in general, defenses you know we talk about how the nfl is a slow game of chess you know offensive philosophy does one thing and it works for a while until the defense defensive coordinators catch up to it and then the defense has the upper hand until the offense can figure out a new game plan i think right now you're seeing 
the interior of, of offensive lines are really being attacked and it's working really well for defensive coordinators. And so that's the primary driving reason by behind why I think it is one good to spend high draft capital on elite defensive tackles like that. And two, why I think these two guys in particular out of Texas may very well be first round picks and pretty comfortably. Yeah. And as you said that, I think it's like you said, it's all about the fit there. And I'm, as yes. you were saying that I, I thought, you know, a very good landing spot for him could be with the Detroit Lions and Dan Campbell. Tavondre or? Tavondre. Yeah, okay. Being a, finally getting a guy in the middle there sure. that can be that game record to mm-hmm. complement Aiden Hutchinson on the outside that they've kind of been lacking could be a really interesting idea there because of that fit. Um, and it's funny, we're talking so much about Tavondre. Like, he's still not the better player. Like, Byron yes. Murphy is pretty clearly the better player, the more versatile player, because he isn't just like that human brick wall in that way. Byron Murphy is... Uh, you could take it to the bank. He is a first round pick. It's yes. just a question of whether or not Tavondre joins him as well. Um, okay. I have one more. This one's random, but he's another guy that really stood out to me today, both on paper and watching him run. Uh, just physically, he looked different. And that is, uh, that is Makai Wingo out of LSU. He is the consensus. Uh, he is the consensus 83rd player defensive lineman out of LSU um he's considered a a late day two Mackay Wingo pick. and Mason Smith or excuse me I'm looking at Mason Smith his teammate uh Mackay Wingo is 110 Mason Smith 80 Mason Smith is funny because one his name is spelled Mason double a uh but two he he came in today with 90 I think 99th percentile arm length I mean he's got he needs to put his hands in his cargo jean pockets and not the main pockets, but he has tiny little itty bitty hands, one percentile, zeroth percentile, if that's a thing. Hands. So he's, I comped him to um, the laparoscopic surgery arms, like the when they did surgery on a grape. Anybody know that one where it's like a really long robot arm and it's got these little bitty pinchers on the end? That's uh, Mason Smith, but that's a total side note. I, I just went full ADD there. It's very squirrel on that. Um, Makai Wingo is 110 overall, defensive lineman out of LSU. Um, he, was moving very, very well, overshadowed really only by Braden Fisk in the 40. Wingo ran a 4.85, and uh, his measurements came in at just north of six foot, 284 pounds, 32 inch arms, not the longest guy in the world, but that 4.85 unofficial 40 yard dash and a 1.64 split, really getting off the ball quickly. A very The reason I bring him up at all is because of his comp, a guy that we were pretty high on last year, but was a physical outlier at the tackle position. How about Kalaja Kansi? Currently a, a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, played at Pitt, right? Yes. Yes, a Pitt, Pitt prospect, Aaron, a Pitt product. Aaron, Aaron Donald the, Jr. Yeah, the Aaron Donald Jr. So maybe Wingo, is, we're going to be start talking about him as Aaron Donald Jr. Um, I don't know. Aaron Donald III. The third. <laughs> right, we got to get to the numbers now. Um, Kansi had pretty much identical measurables, um, and so except he had much shorter arms, actually. Um, do you have his strength at all? Do we, do we know his numbers on, like, because that was the big thing with Cansey is like the strength is off the charts with Wingo. I don't know if that's the case or not. Maybe we need to wait for his, uh, his bench press to come in. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if he did right. the bench today. Uh, RAS score of 8.21. Um, like you said, his, uh, 40 yard time is very, very good. 10 yard split 1.67, very explosive sure. at the line of scrimmage yep. there. And also very vertical as well, uh, with a 31.5 vertical, um, yeah, I, like you said, it, we could start seeing that. And, and as we talk about those later round guys and neither you or I have, like, we're going to, we're going to watch the tape on him and do our actual study of him. We've not yet. So maybe we're, we may change our opinion when we've watched, we but it, it seems um, based on the preliminary 
and why we viewing have it, here. Like, as Stoney asks in this in in this comment here, seems like a really good class to value shop at defensive tackle. Yes. Um, the reason why we haven't watched a lot of them is because even if the Titans were to value shop, there in in this draft, there's so much more depth when mm-hmm. you already have a star like Jeffrey Simmons mm-hmm. on the roster. You can afford to not address that yet. Yes. Where the Titans are. Where, whereas you need to just get more impact players anywhere else on, on the team right now, yep. even at running back. And I know Ty J Spears could be a star, but you need something behind him. hundred you know, percent. There's a lot of good uh, day three, late day three running backs. So I think that's where a lot of them will go. Um, so I could see them using maybe one of those picks on a running back instead of maybe a defensive tackle, because like Je- you have Jeffrey Simmons. And so you're right. already pretty much in good shape. Yep. All right, you want to wrap it up there? I think this is this is going to conclude the last episode of our Combine five-part series that is under an hour because we got coming up O-line, wide receivers, quarterbacks, and running backs the next two days uh, in that order, but reverse it. So just a heads up, tomorrow's episode. Tomorrow's we, episode we'll focusing with, with quarterbacks, on, wide receivers, and running backs, and then also the secondary testing. Right. We have a lot we, to cover. We a can lot go of ground. Two hours tomorrow. We maybe. will try our best not to, but we've got a lot of ground to cover. We you will not want to miss either of the next two episodes because tomorrow, again, in the morning, running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks at the podium, a ton of content. Follow us at Easton Freeze at JT underscore Runky, and if you want it all in one place, at Hot Read Pod on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. Check those accounts out for all of that content on. You know, quarterbacks, yay. Running backs, yay. Wide receivers. We know that's what you're here for. We got you. Don't you worry. We'll have a lot to talk about on that front. And then the testing of the secondary tight ends and uh, safeties tomorrow on the field. All of that good stuff. And then the next day, tackles interviewed in the morning. Wide receivers, quarterbacks, running backs, testing on the field. We'll have plenty to talk about then as well. So check out those two episodes in the evenings, the next two days. One more heads up, I'd imagine. Both of the next two episodes are going to start a little bit later in the day, probably around somewhere 5 to 6 p.m. Central time, just because you know we had to leave testing a little bit early today to do this show at the time that we did. We don't want to leave testing when there's, there's a lot of testing information to be consumed. We want to get all of that to you. So make sure to look for those and look for the official time again on at Hot Read Pod on Twitter. Okay, until then, thank you so much for tuning in. Check out yesterday's episode if you missed it or the day before's episode if you missed it. They're all great. They are all still relevant. You will enjoy them and you will learn about this class. That's what we're here to help you do. Until tomorrow, for producer JTM, your host, Houston Freeze, subscribe at Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Uh-huh.